0: For most of us, the word crisis is a negative, but not for this week's guest. She loves a good crisis because she knows what to do about it. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. In fact, she thrives during times of crisis and her company, The Castle Group, is proof of that. Drawing upon resourcefulness and experience in the field and a passion for developing strategies, she is the principal and the co-founder of the Castle Group in Boston. She's a contributor to Forbes and an in-demand public speaker. Her name is Sandy Lish, and this is her story. She's a dear friend of mine. Sandy, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, Candy. (laughs) We were talking about early days in radio for a few minutes out there in the hallway. I'm so happy to have you here. People often ask you if crisis management
1: is stressful. Why do you love it so much? I do love crisis management, and here's why. A, adrenaline. I do love a good rush of adrenaline. I'm not going to lie. When the stakes are high, when things are moving quickly, and when people need to make decisions quickly, that's when I have the most fun. I think because the crisis isn't my crisis, I'm not as stressed out, perhaps, as my clients are. Doesn't mean I don't take it super seriously. I'm very competitive on behalf of them. I take everything to heart, but it's not my crisis, and I can have the objectivity to help. You got your start working in ad agencies early on. Now, my
0: dad was an ad man. My daughter worked in advertising for years. Creative and fun,
1: but long, hard days. Tell us about your experience in the ad world. So my very first job was in an advertising agency that does not exist anymore because... Monster got invented online job postings. It was an ad agency that only did help wanted ads, not the most glamorous. Super hard work. I think maybe I had 40 clients at one time that all had ads going into what was then the Sunday papers. And so everything had to go out on Thursday nights. We all had to work till midnight. It was a mad dash. So insane. Talk about stress. That was crisis every single Thursday. But it was like being in the trenches with people. I made some of the best friends that I still have today. And I learned so much about prioritizing and juggling and working with different people. Well, ain't it the truth? Because we learned something from every job we had. What did you learn
0: from that experience?
1: You know, I really learned how to work with different teams in a complementary and interdependent way. That was so important, right? Like I was account service. But then there were the copywriters and there were the creatives. And so I had to really make sure that we were getting what we needed from and to each other. And I also learned how to prioritize. When you have 40 clients and everybody wants something on the same day, you've got to learn how to juggle. I learned how to deal with a fast-paced environment. And I've worked my whole life. I've had jobs since I was 14. But that was the fastest of the fast-paced I had had at that point.
0: You decided at some point to go out on your own to form the Castle Group. And this was in 1996. Take us back to those early days. And you weren't alone. You had a co-founder. And I want to talk about that. Wendy, when the two of you were hatching this idea, was this over a cocktail? Was this at the kitchen table? Draw us a picture of it.
1: It was sort of cloak and dagger, to be honest, Candy, because for a small amount of time, we had a third partner. And that was a man that had been my boss at the agency where I worked that had a fractured relationships with the owners of the agency. So he was really the one that cooked up the idea with Wendy. I decided to come along because I loved agency life. It had taken me a long time to sort of move around in the PR world till I got to an agency. And I loved agency life. I really cared about my clients and I really loved to have control. And so I just decided to go along with them. I was married, still am, but we didn't have kids. And we didn't own a house. So there was very little risk. And at that point, even though it had taken me many years to land the jobs I wanted, in that point, I was much more marketable. And I thought, hey, if it doesn't work out, I'll just get a job. It didn't work out with our third partner. That's another story for another day and maybe a different type of podcast, a <laughs> little salacious. Um, but he um, he left and Wendy and I had no business experience and looked at each other and said, We're gonna, we can figure this out. Isn't it so true that there are times in our lives, Sandy, where
0: you just have to leap? Mm -hmm. And you were both willing to do that. Is that
1: what your mindset was back then? I think it was, Candy. Wendy and I are fighters. We're stubborn. We're competitive. And we're smart. We had so much pride in what we had done up until that point when we both leapt into starting the company. We did it for different reasons. We did it because we both have passion for the work that we do. And fondness for each other, which we still have 27 years later. (laughs) Take us back to the people who
0: were with you in those early days. How many were there? And then how many people do you have now?
1: So in those early days, we were in a shared office space. We had two desks that were pushed face-to-face to each other. So we were literally looking at each other. And, you know, we could make use of the shared conference space and whatnot. I had... One guy that followed me over from my agency. He was gonna be moving back to DC, but he stayed with us for a little while. We had a couple people like come and go, but at the very beginning it was Wendy and me. And now I think we have about forty people at Castle. So it's a little different today and we don't sit facing each other. I was at just the about to desk.
0: Say, you now have your own offices. We have, we have our own space. You know, nobody forgets their first client, that first person who said, Yep, I'm going with the Castle group. Who was
1: that? There were three at the same time. One of them was Nellie Mae and the Nellie May Foundation, and they came because they had been my client and were very happy working with me. The other one was precursor to what is now Bank of America, Bank Boston. We had their private clients group, and they were conflicted out from remaining with our old agency because an ad client was citizens. So they were looking for a new agency anyway, so they came with us. And then the third one was a publication named The Street which is an online financial services publication. We launched them. Let's talk about the Castle
0: Group and what you offer to your clients. We've talked about crisis management, but Mm -hmm. that's not all.
1: That is not all. Crisis is a big and thriving part of our business, but a lot of what we do is the proactive day-to-day, how do we get visibility for our clients? How do we help them achieve their goals? Whether it's selling something creating advocacy thought leadership helping them recruit and retain people policy all of those things are important to our clients and we work across a lot of industries that's in our PR work we have an event management division which is what Wendy leads thankfully because we would not have it if i was leading it and she's amazing i think when media publication called her an event powerhouse recently and so there's the event management piece which is not you know weddings and bar mitzvahs it is Corporate, nonprofit, conferences, really, and some of them happen outside of the U.S. and around the world. And then we have public affairs, which is something that we've been doing, but we hadn't really named it until a few years ago, led by an amazing woman who had been in the Walsh administration. And the last piece is marketing. The website is thecastlegrp, short for group, .com, and we are always keeping our eyes open for great talent. So let's talk a little
0: bit about how the relationship works between you and Wendy, because you're co-founders of the Castle Group. You talked about the fact that she's the expert when it comes to events, and
1: I think crisis is your big hot button. Mm -hmm. But how does the partnership work? We have an amazing partnership. We're so lucky. Like She's definitely my work wife. We have our own personal lives. But it starts with shared values, and it starts with shared vision. And that's really important. And then all of that is layered in with trust. So she had been my client before we started. We knew each other from that. Her boss was always late coming to our meetings. So she and I would sit and chit-chat and schmooze and kill the time. The meeting before the meeting. Exactly. And that usually was longer than the meeting. So we got to know each other pretty well. But we have a lot of trust in each other. We are very much yin and yang. We each have responsibility for different profit centers in the business. She is much more the internal person. Anything with a number is Wendy. And I do a lot of the external. So I'm out and about dealing with our clients, working on business development, and not just representing us when I'm out and about, but helping our clients make the connections that are important to them. Well, you know, as I was
0: researching for this interview with you, there is a word that kept on coming up over and over and over again. And that's connections. Is that the secret sauce? And explain why connections and relationships are kind of like the rocket fuel for the engine of success. They
1: really, the relationships and the connections are everything. Our mission is built on relationships, our work is built on relationships, our success is built on relationships. Relationships with each other, with our staff, with the community, with our clients, it's all the way around. This is a relationship business our culture, our philosophy, our authenticity, I think has helped us really become important and necessary.
0: What are the skills that an entrepreneur needs in any field in order to be successful? What would you say?
1: Certainly resourcefulness. You do not know what's coming around the corner. Who could have predicted a pandemic? We've had two recessions since we've been in business. We've had the pandemic. And we've had 9/11. You know, All of those things have been impacts on our company. And Quite frankly, the first two recessions we went through, the first one we undercorrected. The second one, we were like, we're not doing that again. We overcorrected. And so when COVID happened, we had a lot to learn from and a lot to lean on in making our decisions. And I'm knocking on wood right here. It has proven so far that we made the right ones. And then I think authenticity. It really is a hallmark of who we are. What you see is what you get. There's never bait and switch. You know, I'm pretty open book anyway. People know that. But You know, as a company, there's no BS. We try to walk the walk. We are very vested in our community and being good corporate citizens because that's who we are. One of my favorite questions to ask
0: someone who's a success story as you are is Is there anything in business that you had to learn the hard way?
1: Hmm. (laughs) Everything. I joked earlier about the third partner that we had at the beginning. That was very painful. He was my boss, he was 20 years older. I really thought he was a father figure. I really thought that he had Wendy in my best interest at heart. And he did not have our best interest at heart. And so that was a very hard lesson. It was very painful. We were really young. There was so much we didn't know. And so making sure that people really earn your trust and don't just get it is really important.
0: Community presence is crucial for a company like yours. Tell us how you make sure that you're active and you're involved for the better good, especially here in Boston where your company is based.
1: When you own your own company, it's pretty hard to say, like, this is the personal me and this is the professional me because they're all glommed together all the time. Being involved in the community is easy because there's so many people I admire That are doing incredible things being around them is energizing it is an honor to support their work can you share a little bit about where you come from and what life was like in your house so i grew up in brookline i grew up in chestnut hill fancy part of brookline but i didn't grow up fancy my parents got divorced when i was fairly young my younger brother my only sibling had very serious mental health issues my father went bankrupt neither one of my parents had a college education And my mother worked three jobs and we rented out rooms in our house to foreign students to augment income. You know, I always had a job since I was 14 and I always liked to work. I had always been a very good student And I think because of everything that was going on in my life and the fact that I was working a lot of hours and, you know, that sort of made me tired in the morning, there wasn't a lot of oversight for what I was doing. So I fell really behind in school, in high school, to the point that I would not be able to graduate with my class. Wow! And so I felt like the responsibility I had to myself was to go back for a fifth year and take the credits that I needed to. And when I went back on that first day, like thinking I can do this, no big deal, I'm tough. It was the most horrible feeling. I, that's when I felt ashamed, Candy. That's when I felt like, you know, the mask was off because even though I had friends in the younger grades, all my friends were gone. And like everyone knew I was back and it was embarrassing. And I remember calling my mom from the payphone. And saying, I can't do this, I was crying. And she came and picked me up and took me to lunch. And then, you know, shortly after that, I decided to get my GED. I didn't graduate from high school. I got my GED. When you were working,
0: when you were 14 years old, what were you doing?
1: First, I was scooping ice cream. That was a great job. And that was also, like, fun and social. I think that's when I first learned that, like, you can work and have fun and have a social life through your work. So I did that. I worked at a supermarket. I worked at a pharmacy. I was a waitress. I always had jobs in the service industry. And I think, you know, that's another thing that helps prepare you for a later career like I have now.
0: It sounds also like as someone who worked from the time she was 14, you got a lot of validation from having your own money
1: and working every day of your life. It was very validating. And honestly, I had to. I mean, if I wanted things, I had to have the money to buy them. Who was your role model when you were growing up? Definitely my mom. I mean, I I know everybody probably says their mom, but I'm going to say that, too. I I can't do her wrong. That's where I learned resourcefulness. That's where I learned if you want something bad enough, you can figure out a way to get it. And my mother was the best connector ever, ever. That's where I think I'm I'm a pretty good connector. I learned that from her. my mom would be on the T. And the next thing you know, she'd be like, oh, I have this new friend. And by the way, he's a plumber and he's going to fix our whatever. Like, what? And that was my mom. And she picked up people everywhere and she was like, oh, you know who you should know or who would be good? And I definitely got those amazing qualities from her. We all need somebody who believes in us through hard times and in
0: good times. When you were growing up, did you have someone who believed in you?
1: Still my mom. Even though I was screwing up, she knew that I was capable of so much more. I don't have a lot of introspection around that time because it was a wild time, not in the ways that you might imagine. It was just wild in that it was unsupervised. I wasn't doing anything really bad. At the same time, my mother loved me so fiercely and fought so hard for my brother and worked so hard to give us everything and keep us in our house in Chestnut Hill. I mean, she was so determined that we would not leave that house. You know, you were
0: resilient because not only did you get your GED, but you got yourself into UMass Amherst. What a proud moment that must have been for you. Do you remember that moment? (laughs) I
1: remember it so well. My guidance counselor told me where to apply for school. I had no idea what I was doing. And I applied to all these different schools. I couldn't even tell you where they were. None of them were aiming very high. And I got waitlisted for UMass Amherst. I got into none of the other schools. And at that point, I was working in a pharmacy. I just thought, well, I guess I'm not going to school because I didn't get in anywhere. And I got this one waitlist. And maybe I'll be a manager here. And that's what I really thought. Now, as a mom of, you know, a 21 and 24-year-old, I think my mother must have been so sick over this that I was not aiming high. and, And I'm not a stupid person. But I certainly was not leveraging my abilities. And I got a letter saying that I'm off the wait list. I think I had to read it a few times. And then I thought, okay, well, I guess I'm going here. And I went there. And it's not like suddenly the tide turned because I got a 1-0 my first semester and almost flunked out. I just didn't have the tools. I didn't know. I didn't have parents that went to college, and I didn't have the tools. And I resurrected myself. I got through in four years and graduated on time, which was really what I needed to do.
0: You know, one of the threads that I'm getting from this interview with you, and thank you for being so honest about this part of your life. As many obstacles as you had in your path, you, Sandy Lish, are resilient.
1: I try to be. Like I told you, I'm competitive. I think those two things go together, right? If there's something I want, if there's something I don't want, or if there's something that I feel like is in my way, I always want to try to figure out plan A, B, C, and D. Given all that I've just shared, you can probably understand, like, I like to know what my backup plans are and if I need to zig or zag.
0: What was it like when you graduated from college and you had a diploma in your hand?
1: Well, it was UMass Amherst in the very, very late 80s, so we didn't walk across the stage. It was just like, everyone, stand up. You are graduated. Sit down. It was a proud moment. It was, you know, we had a party. It was super fun. My husband now was my boyfriend then. Our families were there. It was great. But I'll tell you what one of the most proud things was. I'm on the board of Mass Bay Community College. And last May, I was given the Distinguished Service Award. And they did not tell me I was going to be getting it. Now, the side story is I had just hurt my back and could not leave my house. I think they were hoping I was going to make it to the commencement. So two days before the commencement, the president let me know they were honoring me with this award. And I couldn't be there. And I said, this is the only time I will have ever walked across the stage and been handed something. I don't want to take away from the next year person, but could you maybe just, like, hand it to me? He said, absolutely. So that was really, really special. And watching on Zoom, somebody accepted for me, but hearing President Podell's words, that was really something.
0: You have mentioned your kids a couple times. How did motherhood change you?
1: I think motherhood made me really lean into resourcefulness and the juggling that I had learned earlier on. I think more about being a role model to my kids. I definitely didn't tell my kids I did badly in high school until they were almost done with high school. (laughs) And I'm proud that they've grown up seeing their mom as a business person. My husband, Dave, is amazing also. He has a career in human resources, and he's an attorney, and he's phenomenal. But to see a mom running a business, I think, is really important both for sons and daughters. And they've grown up as part of the business. They've been able to travel. We're part of a global network of independent PR firms that uh, meet twice a year somewhere in the world. So my kids have grown up networking with PR firm owners from all over the world and have created friendships with people in other countries and... You always want your kids to have more than you had. And I never left the country except for maybe Bermuda until I was 40, because it just wasn't a thing we ever did in my life growing up. It wasn't on my radar nor on my husband's. And so being a mom of kids that can do things and learn things and be part of a global world and not just a little world is really important. Let's go back to 1996. Is the Castle Group what you had imagined way back then? I'll tell you the secret is that when we first wrote a business plan, Wendy was going to be the external person. I was going to be the internal person. We very quickly realized that was a mistake. And I'll be really honest with you. We were so young. I don't know what I expected. I think we expected that a lot of people would want events and PR together and nobody else really had those best services you know, by each team. And actually, we're doing more integrated work than we've ever done in the 27 years now. But I don't know that I even had a vision. I think I was just like going along like, okay, I'll try this and hopefully it'll work out and this will be cool. And if it doesn't, something else will. And maybe that was a good thing. If you're going
0: to run a company, even if it's a partnership with Wendy, you have to be able to lead. What's your philosophy about leadership?
1: Everything goes back to relationships and authenticity. Being a human at work, I've been in all their phases. I've been the young person out of school that didn't know anyone and is super nervous and intimidated. I've been the young mom. I've been the person in the room that was afraid to speak. I'm like, I remember all those things so acutely. And not everyone in my team might realize like, what I'm paying attention to or what I'm empathizing with, but it is there. I still, a lot of years have gone by, but I still can feel all of those things. And I try to put myself in the shoes of other people And try to just, you know, sometimes I know people think I might be scary at work because I'm very straightforward, but I just have the most mad respect for everybody and appreciation for the fact that these people want to work in our company and do what we do for our clients.
0: Next three questions I ask everybody who sits where you are. So thank you very much for being here today, Sandy. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it?
1: I just barrel through (laughs) it. I can see it already. Yeah, I
0: just barrel through it. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? And can you pass that along to our listeners today?
1: I pass this advice along pretty much every day to someone. It came from Sheila Marcello, who was, do you know Sheila? She was the CEO of Care.com. And she was our client. She's my friend. And she used to say this in a speech. And Sheila, if you're listening, sorry, but I've now completely co-opted this. And and it's the moral to a story, but is nobody's thinking about you as much as you're thinking about you. I say it all the time to my kids, my friends, my employees, my clients, and it works two ways. First of all, you have to self-advocate. You can't just, if someone says yes and then they blow you off, it doesn't that it turn to a no. It's that they just aren't thinking about you. The other thing is, if you do something that you feel is stupid, like, why did I say that? Or, you know, one of those moments, you're beating yourself up. Nobody else is thinking about what you said or why you said it. So I really try to live by that. I didn't always, not going to lie, but I try to share that widely. And thanks to Sheila Marcelo. Thank you, Sheila. I believe that we live our lives in chapters.
0: Right now in this chapter of your life, what does success mean to you?
1: Success means that I'm 27 years into being a partner in this company with Wendy, and I'm still excited every day. I'm still fueled by you know what we do and who we work with. Success means we do get to work with things that are really meaningful to us and we get to say no to things. And to be part, I was just named a Boston Business Journal Power 50 movement maker. I did not know anyone when we started this business. That to me is success that people think that I have influence or I can make things happen because I do like to make things happen. That's very, very meaningful. I want to say thank you so much, Sandy, for being on the show today. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun.
0: And that's the story behind her success for this week. My thanks to Sandy Lish, principal and co-founder of The Castle Group. Find out more at thecastlegrp.com and follow them on Instagram and on Facebook at thecastlegrp. And thank you so much for listening. I'm always on the lookout for the next woman to profile. So if you know someone I should feature on the show, will you please let me know and nominate her today? Just go to candyoterry.com. That's candy with a Y, -Y O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. I'll have a new inspiring story for you next week. And remember, when we lift each other up, we all rise. What's your story? I can't wait to hear it.